This morning's reading is John chapter 10, verses 1 to 21. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever come before, came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you that Jesus came to proclaim who he was and what it meant to know him. Pray that we would be open once again to go deeper, deeper into your heart, that our hearts might be healed, that we might know that we are saved. Amen. Um, I'm aware that now the clock faces that way. <laughs> so, not, so I don't have to wait for you to nod off, or do I? You can just start. To, anyway, right, let's go. You know I've taken my um, watch off. That's because I just like to see how dark it gets outside um, before I stop speaking. Um, HTTPS www.bbc.co.uk forward slash news forward slash world hyphen Middle East um, 59754153. 
It's a link on the internet to a finding in the Middle East that somebody in a, an unearthed a trove of Roman coins, and amongst them was a coin that a Christian had cast. And on it is the image of the good shepherd. Isn't that fantastic? That is really quite encouraging. And it's quite a nice, clear casting. Or dark, Well, it would have been smacked with a die then, wouldn't it? Um, but it's got, you know, Jesus carrying a sheep. And you see, this is really good. That's what, that's what was important to the early Christians. It was an image that really uh, struck for them. I wonder if that's an image that particularly resonates um, or, or sort of rings a bell for you. Or are there other images about Jesus that really work for you? Because that's not one that we hear so often, is it? I, I went to a church of the Good Shepherd in Dyke Road, Brighton, and everything about that name, or partly maybe that church actually, uh, sort of felt a bit old, you know, a bit old-fashioned. But is that, is that, should we sort of throw these things out because we've moved on to other things? The sort of recent years have had a lot of stuff about child of God, and, and, and that's really, really important, and friend, Jesus is our friend. But here, we're sort of forced back a little bit, aren't we? And we're sort of, here's our shepherd. Jesus calls, it, calls himself our shepherd. That's significant then, because if that's Jesus describing what he is like to us, we ought to pay attention. Um, just a little bit of data, you know, orienting stuff around the passage. You'll have picked up at the end there in verse 21. The others said, these are not the sayings of a demon, man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Well, what that helps us is that chapter 10 is continuing from John chapter 9. We see John chapter 9 ends with this discussion and this argument between Jesus and these Jewish leaders over the healing of a man born blind, which Sarah spoke about really well last week. Thank you very much. Um, and so it's really important to sort of see that in a context, that here Jesus is trying to compare what he is like with the kinds of leaders that Israel has at that time. And perhaps one of the most significant parts of John chapter 9 um, is uh, where they come. If the man comments to the Jewish leaders, if this man were not from God, verse 33, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Verse 34, to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Can you see how what chapter 10 is doing is building on the image of what a good shepherd is and what they had at that time? It's really important, isn't it? Because the first, the first five verses of chapter 10 are looking at the bad character of people who've got into the sheepfold in some other way, some other motive, some other means and the sheep will not follow these hired hands. Hired hands won't offer the protective care that Jesus describes. They're the ones who say, I can't be doing with this. Out you go, away from me. And they cast him out. Their hearts weren't even close to being in the right place. So hired hands and Jesus are the comparison. And what we see is that they don't offer that care. And then Jesus describes the kind of care he will offer 
after he switches metaphors. He does that sometimes, doesn't he? So you've got two metaphors going on here. First of all, he describes himself as the gate, i.e. the only way to access this great pasture, this sheepfold. And then he talks about this shepherd. Let's not try to blend the two or we really will get confused. But verse 5 sort of summarizes it, doesn't it? But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. I've actually tried that. Years ago, I had a summer job, a couple of summers in a row, working on a lovely little, very little farm near Ditchling. And we had a few sheep, and the farmer, John, was a lovely Christian man, and out of his curious character, and it was quite curious, bless him, um, he named all of his animals. He had Potiphar, the Vietnamese pot-bellied pig. And he had Noah, the dove. Now, he was most upset when Noah sat on my shoulder because Noah never sat on anybody else's shoulder but John's. So one day, encouraged by the Noah incident, I thought, I'll, I'll try. I'll try and see if I can pass myself off as John. So I see one of his sheep, Methuselah. <laughs> Methuselah the sheep. So I call out, Methuselah, and the sheep turns, takes one look at me, and trots off. <laughs> Fantastic. It's really, really interesting that it could recognize its name, but not my voice. Isn't that interesting? When Jesus talks about this, so many of the comparisons, like commentators talk about the difference between Middle Eastern shepherds and Western shepherds, but the potential relationship is still the same. In fact, one night, um, John used to have uh, groups of Spanish children over. And one night, we were short of an activity. So he just let the sheep out of their pen in the middle of the field and told the Spanish children, go and get them. <laughs> two hours later, <laughs> two hours later, he stood by the pen and called them one by one and brought them in. What a magical moment just to see them all coming in because the sheep, oh, there's John, I'm going there. Why do you think they do that? Because John meant safety and care and love and protection, all the things that sheep are short of, frankly. So it's compelling, isn't it, this image, because they bring them in for the sorts of things that sheep need. And it's the quality of the relationship that's particularly important. It's that central thing that runs through this passage. In contrast to the hired hand, who does not care for the sheep? They're paid. They're hired. Jesus contrasts himself. I am the good shepherd. Verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We'll come to that in a moment. I know, verse 14, I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. It's a very strong image, isn't it? The emphasis is about the relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ. And that's the significant thing, isn't it? Now, sheep. Sheep are a good biblical image of God's people. And throughout the Bible, you'll find that the sheep are particularly important. When God talks through his prophets, uh, uh, Jesus talks about uh, his relationship with the unsaved. Have you come for just the lost sheep of Israel? They ask. No, they've come, he's come for more. And sheep are really interesting, aren't they? You, you don't have to have watched Jeremy Clarkson's farm 
although I'd recommend it, just to see how awkward sheep can be. It's instructive how dangerous they are just to themselves. I remember my daughter working with some lambs. They went and ate some wart in the wrong, went into the wrong field, ate some wart, and they're dead within five minutes. They're incredibly vulnerable creatures. They can literally die of fright. If they're on their back, they haven't got long, and they can't get up again. And if they're cornered, well, there was a story not far from here, when I, just shortly after I moved here, there was a story on the news about a farmer who'd lost over 100 sheep because two dogs had cornered the flock in a field, and they'd all died of fright. Quite vulnerable creatures, aren't they? And yet the Bible keeps on using them as a picture of what we're like. Here's some thoughts. Sheep, no sense of direction. They wander, don't they? David was a shepherd who had to wander off and get his sheep. Jesus told a story about going off to find a sheep that had wandered off. And we don't really know what we're doing in lots of ways. We can't defend ourselves. We haven't got horns or spikes or teeth. Well, maybe we do. But sheep don't. They can't get up on their own. They can't carry anything. Hopeless. Interestingly, they will settle for less. We'll be singing Psalm 23 shortly. He leads me beside still waters. One of the things about a sheep is it will settle for the nearest water, which might not be pure, clean water. It might just be a muddy puddle. They will settle for less. They can't look after themselves when they're wounded. They get something wrong with their foot, their trotters. That's it. That can be, re- that can be it for them. They're innocent compared to goats who are described as being independent and destructive. And if you're trying to decide whether you're a sheep or a goat, John Wimber said the difference is that goats go butt. If you're thinking about it. That's a thinker, that one, isn't it? And in spite of all of these weaknesses, sheep are considered to be really valuable. That a lot of effort goes into the Bible uh, in Bible stories about emphasising how protected and how important it is to have them. People were regarded as being wealthy and, and blessed by God if they had huge flocks of sheep is a sign of how particularly important they are. So I wonder how some of those things about sheep, whether they sort of ring true for you. I'm not going to ask you to come up the front and admit it now, don't worry. But there's a sense of, you know, what do you recognise there? You're carrying burdens you don't need to, and yet you've been carrying it for so long you've got used to it, and it feels normal. Do you know that there's an idea of... um, carrying out, uh, going out and finding pasture, and actually you haven't found it. Uh, Do you feel unsafe sometimes? Are you worried that somebody might find out just you've fallen and you don't know how to get back up? Or do you identify with the goat? Destructive, independent, doing their own thing anyway. They're important things, aren't they? They're, They're a useful image for us, and it's helpful for us to think about how Jesus responds to that. Because knowing everything about what sheep are like and knowing everything about what we are like, Jesus uses this picture of a shepherd who is committed to this flock, who is committed to the sheep in his care, who has twice in this little speech alone said he would lay down his life for them. He's not going to do a runner. He'll see it through to the end. And what he offers on top of that is that he's come that we would have life and have it to the full. I don't know, uh, somewhere around our house, uh, we've got one of those sort of 
like nice little pictures. We, we sometimes collected pictures of sheep, but they tend to be fat and happy looking. That's a really nice image, actually, isn't it? A content, well-looked-after, well-nourished sheep. That's what Jesus wants us to be like, to have that kind of life that looks full. Well, I wonder what that looks like. I was thinking about that uh, this week. What does it show us? What does this story tell us? Well, first of all, nothing. let's not overlook this. Jesus is willing to care for us through thick and thin. He wants to take us out. He leads them out, and he brings them back in. They'll have, they'll have pasture, and they'll have protection. He's talking about the richness of life, doesn't he? He, he directs and guides us. His voice is something that is there to help us, something that he offers. He doesn't, he's not unaware of what we're doing or what we're going through. He knows what's going on for us. Now, I wonder how that happens for you. I wonder if you find that it's in prayer, quiet time, or out walking, or reading something, or visions and dreams, or, or maybe in communion. All those things about how he directs and speaks to us. Well, those are all found, aren't they, in the Bible, in the witness to God's work amongst his people. He's willing to speak to them and guide them. I don't know how you would describe that to somebody else. Maybe you ever had that sense that there's, there's a somebody else present in the room, that he's not far. That's, that's the kind of closeness that I think Jesus is offering here. It's his commitment to us. It's, he is with us always, he says, even to the end of the age. So it's more about our wandering and straying and independence than it is about his lack of commitment because he is fully committed to us. He lays down his life. It's an interesting parallel, isn't it, that we see that there's danger. Sheep are inherently dangerous to themselves. There's danger from within, isn't there? They can do all sorts of things to upset themselves. And yet he's also prepared to protect the sheep from outside, from without. Verse 12, the hired hand is not the shepherd. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Sheep, we are in danger constantly. We live in a world that is fallen and broken and basically against us. It's not what God designed. It's not what God intended, and he's restoring it. But it's not there yet, and it doesn't always welcome the people of God. There are things out there, the enemy for one, the world, its messages, that want to undermine our relationship with God, that tempt us away to put our trust in other things or to tell us that there's no hope at all. But Jesus has come to counter that, to challenge that, to overcome that. The beginning of John's gospel talks about him coming with the light of life and darkness can't overcome it. That's because Jesus has conquered those things. He's conquered us. He's conquered danger, sin, death, all of those things. Jesus has come to conquer that. So he invites us to come in for safety. He brings them out and he takes them in. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He, wants them, he takes them from places of safety to places where they can grow. So places of safety, like the sheepfold, 
where we can know God's forgiveness. We can know that we are loved. The devil's lies don't need to hit us. We can have space, space like now, to understand that we don't need to take tomorrow's, today's nonsense into tomorrow. And yesterday's failures shape us for today. In fact, actually, we are forgiven people who are fed and loved by God. But he also wants to take us out to grow that, that image of a fat sheep. I was pondering what that might look like. How, do, how does that compare? How does that fullness, what does that fullness look like? Well, we just, we just prayed about mercy and justice and walking with God. We used it in our confession. And I think it's really helpful, actually, that when we, when we, when we want our heart, when we, when we find ourselves in a situation where actually somebody needs mercy, our heart needs to grow to accommodate, firstly, what they've done, but also to allow God's love to, to grow us, enlarge our heart, that we might be able to forgive them. When we come up at life in a merciful way, we have to grow because our heart needs to be bigger than it was. The people who offend us, well, we need more of God's grace and love to, to come back with his way of doing things. And we grow when we stand up for what's right. We grow because we have to stand a little firmer, a little stronger. Our voice needs to be a little sterner, a little firmer. It needs to be heard. It needs to be clear. And we grow when we practice that and stand up for the things that are right. So Jesus is calling us to, to, to trust us, to trust him, sorry, to grow us, that he will f- keeps us safe in order that we could go out and grow on the things that he's calling us to do. So I wonder, I wonder how that image of the shepherd looks. I wonder how we might turn our attention towards mission. If someone asked you about being a Christian, would you be tempted to trot out, it's not a religion, it's a relationship? Good, good start. What's that relationship look like? What's that relationship actually, what is Jesus saying that relationship is like? Is it, is it one that actually feel, you get a sense of being able to share with people? It's, it's, it's incredibly good. It's, it's one where he is with me and understands me and knows what I go through. Can we articulate those things? Because he compares me to a sheep, but... He says, oh, he is the shepherd who will die to keep me and make me safe. The Jews in this story, in verse 6 and verse 19, are incredibly unable, woefully unable, to imagine what Jesus is talking about. They just can't get their heads round it. In fact, if uh, for those of you who are uh, taking house group notes from this, um, it's interesting that um, C.S. Lewis used to talk about this kind of little maxim, either Jesus was mad, bad, or God. It's in this chapter. It's in this very chapter, those three things. That he's, that they are, how can we enable people to see the goodness of who Jesus is and, and in a way that makes sense to people? And do we ourselves trust him? Trust him as a shepherd? Would we hear his voice? Would we recognize it when we heard it? Would we feel nudged by Christ if he, if he just pushed us a little bit in one direction or another? 
stayed our hand, made us think twice about what we were about to email or say over the phone or what have you? Would we know that? Would we recognize his voice? Because he's saying he's with us always. And the story is, the story of this Jesus is that he loves us to the end. He doesn't stop. He doesn't just like leave us to it. He keeps on going with his people to the end, his end and beyond. So I find it an interesting thing to be wondering about my relationship with Jesus. And I find it encouraging just how much he's prepared to do and give for us. But like sheep, I wonder how responsive I am to my shepherd's voice. How trustworthy I think he really is. The sorts of things that I would like to say to him. The sorts of things I would want to bring to him to help me live in the world as one of his people that would glorify him. Shall we pray? I have come light, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to save us. That in a world that's rejected you, that is broken and fallen, you sent your son to rescue the lost. And that you call us as your people to come under your headship as the shepherd of the flock. And we pray that we'll be ever more mindful of your loving care towards us. Help us to trust you and follow you and know you. Amen.